0: So I was walking um, over from the other side of the church to here, and I found this Bible. If anyone has missed their Bible, does this belong to anybody? Nobody? I know it doesn't belong to um, anybody who was at Christmas with the classics, because it's a little bit small. Um, But one of our teachers, I think, gave these out at a Sabbath school, I'm assuming today. Um, and it just made me realize um, how lucky we are to have such good Sabbath school teachers who do like the little things to make our classes memorable. Amen. Um, and also, um, oh yeah, we can, no, let's give them a hand. Um, uh, walking into the sanctuary, um, looking out here, um, now I honestly did most of this, um, <laughs> but it just reminded me how, lucky we are to have people in our church who care so much about the details of making this feel special when we walk in. Um, The music starts, and I get to see, you don't get to see a church that does this often, but two sets of father and son doing worship together. Man, I think this week, I'm probably, for this Christmas season, I could go on and on about my favorite things about Cala Mesa. And when you do it like that, that's a good thing, because you everything's your favorite. But sometimes that word also has another side, because to have favorites or to favor some things means that there are other parts that are like least favorite or you don't like as much. Um, maybe you're a student, and in your classroom, there's like that teacher's pet. Now, some of the time, actually maybe most of the time, the teacher's pet is just like a suck up. Like they'll just do whatever the teacher wants. And so the teacher likes them. But some of the time, the teacher actually favors that kid. If you're anybody but that kid, you hate that. We hate favorites. If you maybe are a sibling, and you feel like you do just as good as your brother or sister, but yet sometimes, It feels like you're getting the short end of the stick, like your parents maybe, and they don't though, they don't, I want you to know kids, your parents mostly love you equally. Um, (laughs) If it feels like they're favoring you or someone else over you, that's not a good feeling. What's even worse is being accused of favoritism. Uh, I teach grade nine Bible at Mesa Grande and every now and then there'll be kids making a ruckus And I can't, like, I'm not just going to list five names and be like, hey, behave. So I'll just choose the loudest one. And I'll be like, hey, let's let's cool it a little bit. And they're like, you think I was the only person talking? Come on, teacher. Um, In uh, volleyball this year, we had uh, post-interviews, and part of the interview was to rate your coach. And I had a couple comments that said, man, it feels like you kind of favor the varsity girls over the junior varsity girls, and I don't like that. And that cut me, I did not like that feeling. We do not like favorites. Yet, probably forever, the human race will continue to practice favoritism, or having favoritism. and this is why. This is why, it's because we like to be on the inside. Because if you're on the outside, that's the worst feeling, so we make our own little circles. And the people in our circles, like maybe our best friends, or the people on the inside, are the people we favor. And that's never fun when you're on the outside. When you're on the inside, it's it's a good time. But you're on the outside, you're like, Manny, can I be part of that cool kids club out there? It doesn't feel good. And so, unfortunately, the church has done this the best. We have done this the absolute best. You could walk into a church that is supposed to be loving of people and feel like you came to a different planet. Even sometimes the way we talk about our Theology and what we believe is that when we say God favors us. We're talking about a very specific us and It's the people who are sitting here week to week believing praying studying their Bible Those are favored by God. And so today we're gonna look at the story of Mary one who is Said by the angel Gabriel to be favored by God But the one who chooses to write about Mary out of all the Gospels is Luke And what I love about Luke is Luke is an outsider. Um, This summer, our youth group got to go through the whole Bible of Luke. I mean, the whole book of Luke. And we titled our series Luke the Outsider, and in it we noticed that Luke is always mentioning the people that the other writers, the other gospel writers, forget about. He talks about the ones who are barren, the ones that are widows, the ones that are Gentiles, the soldiers that everybody hates, Zacchaeus, the lost one, the prodigal son. And so, he directs our attention at the Christmas season to one who the other gospels forgot about. One who is lowly and humble, but favored by God, Mary. And so there's two sections that I want to read. They're a little long, so if you have uh, attention problems, this is going to be very hard for you. Um, But we are going to try to read uh, two sections in Luke chapter 1. The first section is the angel coming to Mary. And then we're going to skip ahead and talk about Mary's hymn, her song. And I think before we take time reading it, I would like to... I mean, before we take time talking about it, I would like to read it together. Um, So if it's easier for you to listen and close your eyes or to follow along in your Bible, um, we are in Luke chapter 1. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, and I'm starting in verse 26. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month, for the word of God will never fail. So Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Then in the next verses, um, there's a visit With Mary and Elizabeth, and then I would like to skip to verse 46. This is called the uh, Magnificat in the Latin. Um, It is a beautiful hymn of Mary. Mary responds, oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and the haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones, but exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful, for he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then went back to her own home. In this passage, we have a song, a song that is only really read at Christmas time. And in it, it begins the way of Luke's gospel. And Luke's gospel is kind of like a gospel of reversal. And you'll see there's kind of three things there. God establishes his strength in the lowly servant girl. And he disestablishes the proud the proud are brought low. God puts down the people at the top, and he lifts up the people at the bottom. And God fills the hungry, and he sends the rich away empty. And so as I was reading this this week, this song, it made me think about my life for a little bit, because as Mary is singing the song, who does she think I am? Am I the lowly person? Is she singing about me when she says that? Am I the proud person? Is she singing about me? What about you guys? Who are you in the song? And it made me question, am I favored by God? Maybe I'm too prideful. Maybe I'm letting too much of maybe my position or my ego or all of that stuff get in the way. And so I have excluded myself from God's favor? I don't like the feeling of that. But I thought it nonetheless. And in the song, we have the first challenge. This reversal of God brings honor and glory to those who are humble, broken, and hungry. And so the Gospel of Luke begins with this Mary. And I wanna go over what I think are three attitudes that I see Mary have. And these are three attitudes that I would like to think are reasons why she is favored, but also helps her be the best Mary she can be once God has shown her favor. The angel comes and she has these three attitudes and it leads to a fulfilling life as the mother of Jesus. All right, and here they are, having an attitude of humble confusion, having an attitude of questioning belief, and having an attitude of service. So we're gonna hit them one at a time. The first one is having an attitude of humble confusion. The angel comes to Mary and says, Blessings to you, you are favored. And the Bible says that Mary's like confused and a little afraid, a little startled, because she's like, Why would I be any? Why would I be favored? I wouldn't expect anyone like me to be visited, like in this grand scheme. Her first reaction is humble confusion. You see, there are problems when we expect favors from God. And guess what? Sometimes, as Christians who are always on the lookout for God's sightings, when God's sightings happen, guess what? We think, I deserve that. That was on its way to me anyways because i'm a believer in jesus christ it's very problematic when all of a sudden the favors that come our way are not taken humbly and they're now expected and so mary here hears this angel and she doesn't think man i've been faithful I know my Bible. And this song, guys, this song is basically an echo of Hannah's song in 1 Samuel. She's basically quoting scripture in her prayer to God. She has been faithful. She is a virgin. She has been faithful in her soon-to-become marriage. She's currently engaged, betrothed. Uh, It's a little different in Jewish society. She's committed to this guy, and they've stayed faithful. She could have said, man, like, what an honor. I'm ready. I'm ready. Instead, she says, "No, no, no, duh, this is not a visit I should have. I think in my life, the same is true. I'm gonna tell you guys when I'm the best pastor and when I'm the worst pastor, right? And it goes in cycles because pride is a tricky thing. When I'm at my best, um, a kid comes to me and they're struggling with something in life and my first response is like, I have no idea But what an honor that this kid even trusts me with this. I'm no expert on what they're going through and they're coming to me, what an honor. That is humble confusion. Now, unfortunately what happens is I deal with a couple of those, I save a couple relationships, I give some good advice here and there, Um, I'm showing kids Jesus. I, I start to think, ooh, I'm a good youth pastor. I'm feeling real nice, right? And the kids start saying, Pastor Mark, you're such a good youth pastor. And I'm like, like, we know already. That's true. (laughs) And then as soon as that happens, I have a little brain shift. It's pride. And I start operating on like, what I'm gonna do is gonna really make a difference in these kids' lives, okay? A kid comes to me asking for advice, and instead of thinking like, what an honor to like be with you, I say, you know, I've dealt with this a lot before. Let me tell you. In every area in our life, we should approach it with a humble confusion. Every blessing you get on your life, man, God's already blessed me way too much. There's more? There's more where that came from? And Mary receives it like that. The second attitude that Mary has is a questioning belief. Um, and I know that those are sometimes two opposite words, but I, there's a little mystery in the first chapter of Luke. And this is the mystery. In the section before, the same angel goes to a, a priest. And he goes to Zechariah and says, guess what, you're gonna have a son. And this is what he says. He says, how can this be? We are way too old to have kids. And the angel says, If God says something, it's gonna happen, but because you didn't believe, you're gonna be mute. Okay? I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Like, I I like that, that seems kind of like a fair, a just thing for Gabriel to do. But then, in the next verses over, Gabriel goes to Mary, and it perplexes me, because Mary says, how can this be? I'm a virgin. And then I'm like, and he doesn't say anything. Gabriel says, oh yeah, you're blessed, you're favored. And then I'm like, okay, hold on, this is not fair. How can Zechariah get this punishment, can't speak for nine months, and Mary has no punishment? It doesn't seem fair to me. Until you read a little bit later, um, yeah, it's not fair, right, you're agreeing. When Elizabeth meets Mary on their visit, the baby, who's John the Baptist, jumps, and the Holy Spirit fills Elizabeth. And this is what elizabeth says this is in verse 45 of luke 1 you are blessed because you believed that the lord would do what he said and so i had to go back to this question that mary has and mary says how can this be i'm a virgin it's not a question of doubt it is in full belief yet seeking clarity in full belief yet seeking direction And I think this is where I'm happy for this message because the same can be true for us. You are actually allowed to and should have questions about where God is leading, how God is leading, why your life looks the way it does. We can have those questions and still 100% hold the belief that God has us wrapped in a Ziploc bag full of love and nothing can affect that. The full rejection and only questions is a different story. And so, um, Mary has what I'd like to call a questioning belief. And I think that is the reason that, well, one of many reasons that God chooses Mary to be the mother of Jesus. Because when you learn that your son is gonna be the king, you're probably gonna pamper the person, okay? At Calamasa Church, if you didn't know I'm the youth pastor, and let me tell you, moms and dads pamper their children. Christmas time, bro, those, those credit card bills are running. If you knew that your child was going to be the king, you might pamper them a little bit. But instead, we have a mother who is willing to believe that her son is going to be the king. And not just the king, the king promised by David, yet still question. To still question a baby, uh, to question a 12-year-old Jesus in the temple, say, what are you doing? Where's the communication in this situation, Jesus? At least tell me you're going to be here. It's the same kind of belief yet questioning when she's at the wedding with her son and says, We, Jesus, you're supposed to deal with this stuff. Let's get the wine running. It takes a certain kind of belief to ask questions on clarity and direction. And in Luke, Luke does this a lot. He'll name the disciples here with Jesus and he'll say the woman. He'll say the woman who were with him, the woman with him. Mary is here the whole time. I think Jesus had mentors. I think Mary was one of them. Because she had full belief that her son, and revealing, it would keep revealing the more miracles that would happen. Her son is not only the king, her son is God. But I'm just going to question for clarity and direction. That's something we need to hold those both. To realize that God has us, that God is holding us in love, but yet, Yeah, we can still ask questions and have clarity. So we have a humble confusion, a questioning belief. The third thing is an attitude of service. Um, Mike worded this so well in his prayer. The moments the light flash and the angel speaks, Mary's whole life is turned upside down. Turned upside down. And yes, she sees herself as a lowly servant girl, but her family has given her a good arrangement. She's being married into the bloodline of David. She's young. She doesn't have any problems like Elizabeth. Like, she's not old and barren. She, has, she is young. She has a full life ahead of her. And as soon as the angel comes, it disrupts it all. And in those moments, in those moments when life takes a turn and now you've got to do more than you were, thought you were going to do, when what is expected of you is changed, it's easy to be like, man, like this is just so frustrating. And Mary... I like to think she is still like, oh man, this is going to change my life. But she says here in verse 38, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. These are the sort of things that come true for Mary. She has to go to her husband. Um, hopefully, the angels come by then. Hopefully, Gabriel just did a quick stop, Mary, then Joseph. I, we, we don't know the order. But she has to go to her husband and say, Hey, I am with child. And it's God. Now, in Jewish culture, dating is way different than it is now. If you're dating, you're 16, you have a car, you can pick up a girl, go to Burger King, have a milkshake, like go for a walk in the park. Back then, you got arranged and betrothed real early. Like it was like a done deal, you're, you're married, and then you were never allowed to spend time alone. Everything was together with the family. That was their way of ensuring, like, uh, you guys get it, right? And so, so, Mary comes to Joseph with scandal, and says, I have good news, and it's a scandal. I will be the spotlight. In a tiny little town called Nazareth, where they got nothing better to talk about. So tiny that Josephus doesn't even list it in his 204 towns of Galilee. He named 204 cities. Nazareth doesn't even make the list. This is all they're going to be talking about. The scandal of Joseph who continued to marry the one who cheated on her and has this illegitimate son. But Mary says, may everything you have said about me come true. The one who sees her son being challenged, attacked, accused, stoned. The one who sees her son sacrificed, her her, her sacrifice too. Young thirties on the cross for us. Now obviously, Mary did not know all of that stuff, right? That's why they wrote the song, Mary, did you know? Because she didn't know. <laughs> well, that one was really slow to catch on, hey? <laughs> Um, But Mary said, whatever is in this package of what you have said, I am the servant of God. May it come true. And this is where it gets really challenging for us because then the call for us is whatever life throws at you, we're, we're to try to put away frustration and open up a heart of service. Life has brought maybe pain, hardship, suffering, sickness. The call is like, hey, I can still serve more. God, what you have called me to fulfill in my life, I will still do. An attitude of service. And it is why even after, even after Jesus' death, Mary is still active in the Church of Acts. Because she says, God, whatever this life is, I will serve. And so we have these three callings for us today, okay? We have an attitude of humble confusion. Don't expect favors from God because you're good to God, right? Every time is a surprise. Wait, what? Is more in store for me? More blessings for me? To trust that he has you wrapped up, but to still question, seek clarity, find advice, deepen your relationship with him by asking questions and then to live a life of service. That's the attitude that Mary has, and I think that's why God chose her and said, you are favored. But I also think that being favored by God spurred her on to continue to be like that. And this is where I love that there's some Christian um, theologians and historians that often compare Mary to the church. And Mary to us as the archetype for what it means to live as one favored by God because this is the idea and obviously it's not exact but this is the metaphor Jesus sends his Holy Spirit on us right in Genesis God sends his spirit to hover the waters and He creates life in our passage the Spirit hovers over Mary and it conceives Jesus the Messiah and today, over us, the Holy Spirit hovers and it creates the heart and the love that only Jesus can give. And so to not say it in any sacrilegious way at all, we are kind of like Mary, where this Holy Spirit has chosen to give us favor because Christ is gonna live in us. Does that make sense? Do you follow? Christ lives in us, so in that fact, all of us are favored by God. all of us. It doesn't matter, yes, some of you might at the moment be proud or acting like a prince and you're not one. Some of you might be the rich who are, are greedy. in all the things that song, you might be on that end, or you might be on the humble end. It doesn't matter. God wants to give His spirit to you, and He wants Christ to be made alive in your heart. And so guess what? All of us are favored. every single one of us. And our job. I I shouldn't even say our job. Job is the wrong word. Our next act, especially this Christmas season, is to say what an honor. Jesus is going to live out in me? People are going to see Jesus in me? I'm humbly confused by that. Okay, but God, what does that look like? I believe you're going to do it, but how? To have a little bit of questioning belief and then to go out and serve to love God and to love people. And when we do that, God favors you and God's favor extends to everybody you touch. So may this Christmas season be a season of humble questioning belief that is ready to serve. I'd I'd like to leave you with the message of the angels. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people the savior yes the messiah the lord has been born today in bethlehem the city of david suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others the armies of heaven praising god and saying glory to god in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom god is pleased may you go those who are favored by god to live out the peace of christ